become a Christian, and then we're commissioned. We're given an assignment. Now, Paul's assignment was to preach. In verse uh, 25, he continues that he was commissioned to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that had been kept hidden for ages and generations. Remember, what's concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. There was this prophecy about a Messiah who would come, but no one knew who it, who it was, and it turned out to be Jesus. And it wasn't clear that Gentiles would also be a part of this body of Christ. So that was a mystery. It was a secret. And when Jesus came, it was revealed. So Paul's been commissioned to share that message. It's now disclosed to the Lord's people. Next verse. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice he changes back to talking to the Colossians, these Gentiles. Paul had been commissioned by God to take this message about Jesus and share it with the Gentiles. That was his commission. When we think about the gospel, we hear that term a lot. We use that term a lot. Essentially, that's what Paul is talking about here. The New Testament, which shares the gospel. And the gospel simply means the good news. The idea that God has created us in his image to be in fellowship with him, to know him. And yet, going back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve first turned away from God and went their own way, that changed the existence of the world. It changed the destiny of every person who's born into this world, because we all come into this world sinners then, with a bent towards doing our own thing. Isaiah describes it as sheep who want to go their own way. And God at that point could have said, okay, fine, I'll let you go and I'm done with you. But he didn't, because we were created to know him. He created us for his pleasure. And so he came up with a plan, the only plan, which was I'm going to send my son the second person of the triune God to be born in human flesh. And then he's going to live a life where he never sins once. So he doesn't deserve any punishment. He doesn't deserve to be separated from me at all. And yet he willingly is going to take our place on the cross. And that's what that death is all about. Not only did he suffer a horrible physical death, but God poured out all the punishment for my sin and your sin and the entire sin of the world. On Jesus Christ. And then he died. How do we know if the sacrifice was acceptable? Because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, demonstrating that the offering to God had been accepted and that he had power over sin and death. And that's the good news, the gospel. This is the message that now is revealed. And this isn't only for Israel, this too is for the Gentiles. This is a message for the entire world. And Paul has been commissioned by God, after becoming a Christ follower, to preach that, to proclaim it, to tell other people about it. Here at North Park, some of us have been called to preach. Phil does the majority of the preaching on Sunday mornings, and then I do some. Uh, Larry and a few others do that. We have a team who have been commissioned to preach. But not everybody has been commissioned to preach. But everyone has been commissioned in two ways. First, generally, all of us are a part of the Great Commission. If you've been around church, you've heard that term. 
the Great Commission. And we read it often. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end. And that's why North Park as a church exists. We want to be disciples who make disciples for the glory of God. And that's just not the preacher's job. It's just not the elder's job. That's all of our jobs. We all have been commissioned as followers of Christ to share that message with other people. And then to disciple them. But there's also a very unique commissioning that every believer has. And the way we talk about this here at North Park is we say, you have been uniquely shaped for ministry. God has shaped you specifically to minister, to serve in a certain way. And we look at five components as we go through our New Connections class. We take every uh, new member uh, through this, but you've got spiritual gifts. You have a heart or a passion, something that you're really excited about. You have certain natural abilities. You've got a certain personality. And you've been through certain experiences. Bill talked about that last week. You know, come alongside and use your experiences to help. So we believe that God has commissioned you in a unique way and that you are uniquely designed to serve the body of Christ. Paul talked about it in Ephesians chapter 4. And there he said, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastor-teachers. So some are commissioned to teach. Their responsibility, though, is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So we can say it this way. The pastors are the preparers. And the people are the ministers, the servants. Alright, so talk to the person next day and just say, hey, what's up, minister? And you guys talk like that at church? Say, what's up? Right? So a lot of times we as pastors are called the ministers. Sometimes we get the focus and the attention of we as elders, right? The spiritual leaders in the church. Our job, though, is to help you do your ministry. And you have been uniquely commissioned by God, if you're a believer, to serve the church. Our goal isn't to entertain you, it's just as spectators, but we want to equip you to be servants. Sometimes uh, pastors or leaders of ministry get it kind of turned around and say, we need you because we can't do all of our ministry. We need you to extend our ministry. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what Scripture teaches. Our job is to help you find and do your ministry. Because you have been uniquely commissioned. To serve the church. Like we like to say, it is every member a minister. We see the same thing over in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. There, Peter said, God has given each of you a gift from a great variety of spiritual gifts. So there's great diversity. We should all have the same gift. And we need to use those to serve one another. So there are lots of places to serve the body. This month, we've been highlighting different parachurch ministers that we partner with. But this morning, I want to encourage you to think about serving here at North Park if you're not already. Because I love this church, I'm excited about what we're doing. So I want to encourage you to think about maybe serving here if you're not already. If you're a people person, you like to talk and welcome people. You can serve as a greeter or an usher. 
Now, sometimes people ask me, uh, is it necessary that a pastor be out there? It's not, but I love it. I am a people person. I love to welcome people. And so you'll see me out there occasionally. But if you're a people person and you just like to make people feel welcome, you can serve as an usher or a greeter. Maybe you sing or you play an instrument. You love to worship. You can join the worship team and become part of that. Maybe you have a heart for people who are kind of forgotten or maybe not accepted. Do you guys know we have uh, an incredible ministry that meets on Wednesday nights? It's called the Friendship Club. Maybe you've seen that name. But it happens on a Wednesday night down in the room by the kitchen. So most people probably don't even know about it. That is a ministry for adults with intellectual disabilities. And it gives them an opportunity to learn and grow with people who don't have disabilities. That'd be a great place for you if you really like to come alongside people who are kind of left out or forgotten. Maybe you're kind of like, I don't even really care to be around people that much. Well, that's okay. We have a tech team. We've got some people up top there. <laughs> Not that they don't like people. <laughs> but if you're more of an introvert, but you're a techie kind of person, there's room for you to help out with the sound equipment and video equipment and all of that. Maybe you're like, you know, I don't know if I really want to be involved in an official program like that. Did you know our life groups are a great place to use your gifts? The design of the life group is you are with a group of people that you could use your particular gifts to meet their needs in the group without being a part of an official program. Maybe you're limited in mobility or you're older, can't do the things you used to do. You can pray. You can write notes of encouragement. You can make phone calls to check on people. There are lots of different ways to meet people's needs. And really, that's what ministry is. It's seeing a need and meeting it. So what we're talking about is using your resources to serve the church. And if you're here this morning and you maybe have been thinking about a way to get involved and you're not quite sure how to do that, and you're like, well, I don't sing and I don't necessarily want to work with kids, so what else, what else is there for me to do? There's lots for you to do here in the body at North Park. And so if you'd like to talk more about that, you can stop in our Next Steps area. There's information about the various ministries and different age groups. But also, uh, in the chair in front of me, there should be a card like this. And uh, on that card, it says, I'm willing to serve. If you can let us know about an area you're interested in, and there's others, uh, we'd love to talk with you to help you figure out a place you can get involved so why was Paul serving the church? He had been commissioned, and we also have been commissioned to serve the church. But really, what difference would that make? What difference would it make if I fulfill that commissioning that God has given me? Uh, Christopher Wren uh, designed St. Paul's Cathedral in London. It's one of the most beautiful buildings uh, in the world, really. But he wrote about, uh, when, as it was being built, the different reactions of some of the workers. He stopped by... And he asked them what they were doing. And there were workers who were bored and tired. And they said, I'm, I'm laying bricks. That's what I'm doing. Or I'm carrying stones. One worker, though, as he was asked, he was mixing cement. He seemed really cheerful and enthusiastic about his work. And when they said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a magnificent cathedral. What is it that we are building? What is it that our serving is going to accomplish? What's the goal? Well, in verse 28... Paul tells us what his goal was. He, Jesus, is the one that we proclaim 
Admonishing and teaching. This is kind of the two sides of teaching. Admonishing, don't do this. Teaching, you should do this. So we do that with everyone. I remember Paul uh, is addressing, at least partly, a group of people called the Gnostics, and they kind of taught that there was a secret knowledge that you had to get. There's only a few select people that really can have this relationship with God, that get the secret knowledge. And Paul is saying, no, this is for everyone. This is for everyone. And the goal is to have everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. What's the goal? What's the purpose of having greeters and ushers and a tech team and a worship team? What's the goal of taking a meal to someone who's in need? What's going to be the purpose of all this serving? And Paul says the goal is to present people fully mature in Christ and present them to God. Now some of your translations say present the perfect in Christ. And the, the perfect just speaks about helping them be who God designed them to be. So that's what we're working towards. Salvation is not a finish line. Salvation is a beginning line. And the goal isn't just to have more disciples, but we want to have better disciples. Disciples who are moving towards becoming more like Christ. Uh, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, he expresses a similar idea. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So notice that this growth that's supposed to take place is in community. Paul in the New Testament knows nothing of someone who says, I'm a Christian, but I don't need other people. I don't need the church. It's a growth in community where they're united. And there's a love for one another. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. Paul's hitting at that idea again. In Jesus, you have everything you need. And this is available to everyone. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Christ. See, for Paul, this relationship with God and being who God wants us to be, it's not about a religion. It's not about following certain rules. It's not about some secret knowledge. It's about a person. And that person is Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then you've got everything you need. It's all in Him. He would say earlier that God in a body. Fully God. Next verse. In whom are hidden, how much? All in Jesus are hidden. Now this hidden isn't like it's a secret, it's a scavenger hunt. It's kind of like it's stored up. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that you need for a relationship with God, to have forgiveness of your sins, to become more like who God wants you to be, all of that is in one person. Jesus. That's the goal. Whether it's a greeter or an usher, someone in the nursery, Student ministry leaders staying up till three in the morning on a winter retreat. <laughs> What's the purpose of all of them? To help people become more like Jesus. There's an author, I can't say his last name, so I'm just going to call him Tolian T. Alright? He wrote a book with a title similar to this, but this is how he's put it. Jesus plus nothing equals. Jesus plus nothing. If all we have is Jesus, we've got everything. 
Right? But everything minus Jesus equals nothing. So without Jesus, we have nothing. There's no denomination. There's no religious system. There's no reasoning of our own. There's no good enough life that will provide what we're looking for in a relationship with God. It's Jesus. He is greater than any additions, any deletions that people could offer. And all of our serving should be to that end. To see people grow in Christ. What are you doing when you're greeting? What are you doing when you're working in tech? What are you doing when you're working in a friendship club? What do you do when you're serving food at a super Sunday? I'm building a magnificent cathedral. <laughs> I'm working towards helping the people become more like Jesus. So the goal is to present people, but there's also a protection to this. Look what he says in verse 4. Remember, he's writing to these new believers. They're under this pressure. He says, I tell you this, of chapter 2, verse 4, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you with fine-sounding arguments. This belief that we have that Jesus is everything, a lot of people are going to try to talk us out of They're going to say we're simple-minded, old-fashioned. They might have high-sounding philosophical arguments about why this can't be. So Paul wants to protect them as well. And I just want to say this for those of you who are parents, and we as a church, as we think about the next generation of kids and students, and sometimes we're overwhelmed by all of the different pressures that go against our kids staying faithful to Christ. I just want to encourage you that what Paul says, don't get sidetracked. You be sure to make it about Jesus. Don't get overwhelmed, but teach them about Jesus in a way that they can get to adulthood with a mature faith. And parents, the good news is we want to partner with you. We genuinely believe that the partnership between home and the church produces a greater result than either one of those fifty individually. So let's partner together to make it about Christ and focus on growth in Jesus. Not about a particular set of rules or denomination or Anything else that we want to make it about, about success or just staying out of trouble. I mean, this area we're talking about with the pregnancy. Sometimes we can come across like, if we can just make sure we get through high school and college without getting somebody pregnant, that would be a success. That's, that's definitely one of the goals. But we want to have Jesus. We want Jesus to be the person that they know. And so, we need to help our kids and our students, our young adults, know what it means to walk with Jesus so then they can have the discernment to evaluate all the different challenges that will come their way. So right about now you take a deep breath and you go, and that sounds like a lot of work. That is a big job. That brings me to my third question. How much, how much effort does it take to serve the church? How much effort? Paul says in verse 29, to this end, to this serving the church, following the commission I've been given, this goal of helping people be mature in Christ and protecting them, to this end, I strenuously contend. He's going to say a similar thing in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. So again, he's writing to people that he doesn't know. He didn't found his church. 
But he just says, I want you to know something. I want you to know how hard I'm working on your behalf. This word is used contend is like an athletic term, like competing in an athletic competition. So think, um, you know, the casual walk. I think I'll get my steps in. I'm going to go walk around the uh, office hallway while uh, it's lunchtime, right? Think that versus Rod has promised to get us ready for a 5K, right on our couch, right, Coach? Coach to 5K. And think about the workouts he's going to take us through to get us ready. Think about us running, sweating, getting to the finish line. <sighs> okay, I'd be on the ground. <laughs> That's contending. It's competing, it's sweating, it's, it's intense exertion. And Paul says, serving can be extremely hard work. It can be extremely hard work. Think about Paul. He comes to know Jesus, and he becomes a missionary. He travels three different times that loop where we showed those cities there. Three different times he makes that loop. Think about all the travel. Think about all the learning and the training. The suffering Paul, uh, Phil talked about last week. Think about all the prayer and concern that went into serving the church. Paul's serving required a tremendous effort. I think too, though, of a men's discipleship group that meets here at the church at 6.15 a.m. A couple of guys getting together before they go to work. So it doesn't cut into family time. And every week, getting up and being here, coming to share what they're learning, what the concerns of their heart are, and praying for one another. I think of Vacation Bible School. So I was thinking back to this, those of you that were a part of it, hundreds, over 100 volunteers. We transformed our pavilion property into the land of the Bible. And then we acted out traveling as the weather changed and we brought it all here to the auditorium. So for the decorations and the food and all of that, the people who learned parts for skits and taught lessons and spent a couple of hours with kids trying to help them understand who God is and how He loves them. Serving often requires great effort. Think about our grief share ministry. That team that's taken it upon to prepare. Think about what it would be like to come from outside our church to a group of people you don't know, trying to deal with the loss of a loved one. And then to meet for 10, 12, 13 weeks, however long that is, and to engage and to pray for it, and come from outside. Serving often, often requires great effort. I'm coming up on 13 years this July that I've been here at North Park. The previous church I was at left under difficult circumstances. A year in between leaving there and coming here. Excited to come. Thought that my gifts and my experience fit well with the, the current pastor and where the church was headed. And then it was four months in. Uh, one of the deacons and their wife were over at my house for dinner. And he says, uh, we're out at the grill there, grilling chicken. And he says, I've got something I don't really want to tell you, but I think if I was you, I'd want to know. This Sunday will be the 
pastor's last Sunday. Wow. And so I got to know the deacons a lot better really quickly, and we kind of gathered together. And many of you were here. And many of you served and continued serving and spent tremendous energy along with us. So five out of my first ten years here were without a pastor. It was a lot of energy expended. During that time, there was one of our deacons who had gone off. He took his uh, year off. was assumed that he would come back. And the way our leadership was structured at the time, several of our guys were having to do double duty on a search committee and then uh, be a, a deacon. And Everybody assumed that he was going to come back. And I remember getting a call from his wife and just said, I'm not sure he wants to. So I got another deacon and we went over to his house. And he just said, I'm tired. And it feels like we're spinning our wheels. And I'm not sure I've got the energy to do it again if we're going to end up right back here. And so that led to just getting together and saying, what does the church need at this time? And that began us down the path of events and changing the leadership structure and rewriting our constitution to try to help alleviate some of the work that was being doubled up. I only share that to say, Ministry and serving can take a lot of energy. And I do feel that I was brought here to North Park. And I love North Park, and I'm so glad that this is my church family. I saw a pastor illustrate something here recently. He's got a board here with some nails. And all I need to do is take them out. Alright? So I'm going to try this. Any kids know what might be wrong? My, uh, yeah. There's no battery. Who oh, no took that out? Is Frank Oswald in here? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the battery. It does work now. Without the battery, that power drill is useless, right? Paul is talking about this, and he says, I'm expending all this energy. Good news. He's connected to a power source. Look at verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. We don't do this ministry in our own strength. But we have to stay connected to the power source. And so I say this as often as I can. I say it to you now. It takes a lot of energy, but we don't do it in our own strength. And we as a church care more about you and your own walk with Christ than we do about the ministry that you can offer us. We want to help you fulfill your commission, whatever it is that God has uniquely shaped you for. But that has to flow out of your own relationship with Christ. That's what's most important. Paul says, all of this work that I'm doing, it flows out of being connected to the power source. Peter would say something similar back in chapter 4, verse 11. He says, Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? You guys read that out loud and together and yell there. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. So it's always a divine cooperation. We do our part, but we do it depending on God to infuse energy into what we do so that he can bless us. So serving the church, we have a commission from God, 
We want to present people mature in Christ, and we want to protect them. But it's hard work. A lot of hard work. Are you guys convinced yet? <laughs> Serving is a path to joy. Are you guys buying it? Well, look what he says in verse 5. Back in Colossians chapter 2. Well, that should be Colossians 2. I'm like, yeah, change There it is. I was thinking I didn't do the title right. Good job. Alright? For though I am absent from you in the body, I'm better with you in spirit. Paul talking to the church of Colossae. And I do what? I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. He says, I'm writing to warn you about some things. I'm concerned. But what brings my heart joy is I see how you are walking with Christ. You get to see the fruit. For Paul, the path of serving was the path of joy. And it can be for us too. What we do in serving the church and God matters. It can be hard and difficult. It can involve suffering. It can look sometimes like it's not very successful. But if we stay with it long enough, I absolutely believe we'll be blessed to be able to see some fruit. And we can see some now, but there'll be more in eternity that we have no idea about. So, I want to close with this. And in plain this, I had a different illustration. But it gives me great joy to see Seth up here talking to you guys. You guys might not know that, but Seth was in one of my youth groups. I was with Seth in middle school, in high school, in college. Seth had a desire to learn and to grow. He always had a bent towards ministry. It was him and a couple other guys that I got to spend a lot of time with through our own ministries and church, but also taking him to different ministry events. And to see him here, years later, at the same church, walking with the Lord, serving at the Pregnancy Resource Center, that brings me great joy. Joy. That's what Paul says. In the end, the path to joy is serving because it impacts people's lives. Where would he have learned that? I think he learned it from Jesus. Because here's what he said in Acts chapter 20. I've been a constant example of talking about himself of how you can help those in need by working hard. Those of you that went with us to Mexico, um, we have we memorized that verse, and the young lady who had had those two words. We all had different words, but she would always say, working hard. <laughs> you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed. More blessed what? To give than to receive. Serving is path of joy. So what joy in your life? Serve the church. If you've been serving, keep going. If you haven't been serving, I want to encourage you to start. And if for some reason you've fallen off from serving, maybe because you're hurt, or you got discouraged, or you just got away from it, I beg you to please consider it again. To find a way to use what God has given you. Give it another try. Because you'll never be more like Jesus than when you're serving. Let's close with that. God, we thank you for Paul's example and his words. That remind us about the value of serving the church. Today, would you work in our hearts to help us know how we're doing? What kind of effort are we putting forth? Are we in the right place? Are we giving our life to that which matters? God, I pray that our church would be a church marked by servant hearts, serving one another. When people see us, may they see Jesus in us. 
And help us to be a church that doesn't look for perfection and judge, but rather puts energy into helping people move and take whatever step is next. So that we can all be moving together. Whatever the next step is for us, we become more like Jesus. Thank you for your love and your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.